0: Okay, nuchem shem Welcome. Shir, pasuk Yud alif El, yud beizal. Seitsei has seventy-three mitzvahs. Seventy-three mitzvahs in one parasha. Famous yeah. concepts yeah. in the past, mitzvahs, is mm-hmm. of course Haqan, which throughout the archives I probably say over and over and repeat the same idea, the same madrish, only because it is such a beautiful, beautiful medrash, and only because it is such a relevant message. Also the most famous notation is in today's Pasha. the Pasuk writes the other, Pitzu Daka Pitzu Daka in almost every other Torah is written with a hey, and if it's a Torah according to Alter Rebbe's opinion, it's written with an Aleph at the end. Paying tribute tonight to Sarah Basim Nassen, Allah Shalom, passed away late last night. A person who, technically or in essence, almost say scared people away. A woman with a very, very strong personality, very strong-minded, Opinionated, knew what she wanted, how she wanted it, when she wanted it. She returned her soul after ninety plus years in this world last night, and today was, as we say in America, laid to rest. Was brought to her for her final resting place. an envelope Friday Um, partially because probably it was post wedding partially because I guess Hashem wanted it as such as I opened the Chumash now for this year I found the envelope. Is reminiscent of the story of the uh, modern orthodox or slightly conservative, or probably closer to reform, B'mitzvah boy, What a very wealthy grandfather! And a very wealthy grandfather. came to his Bar and departed at the end of the Bar mitzvah. and much to the chagrin of the child, didn't leave him a check, didn't leave him a gift. He thought maybe, maybe Grandpa will send it in the mail. And he waited a day, he waited two, he waited a week or two, and three. When the check didn't arrive, out of frustration, he called his grandfather, and he said, "Granddad, Grandad, I have a problem. Granddad, remember my bmitzvahs a few months ago? This is yeah. Granddad, what did I do to you wrong? How did I sin against you, Granddad?" And the grandfather says, "I don't know what you mean." But, Grandad, you didn't give me a gift for my bar mitzvah. And the granddad, he could hear over the phone, starts to cry. his grandfather's crying and sobbing. And um, he says, Grandpa, why are you crying, Granddad? He says, My dear grandson of course I left you a check. He says, but granted, I never saw it. He said, my dear grandson, I left you the check in your twillin bag. You no and had you put on twillin, <laughs> you would have found your check. And so here, the months after your Mitzvah, and you have not yet put on your twillin, you have given me good reason to cry. So... When I find an envelope that I was desperately looking for in the chumash, I wonder, do I not open a chumash the whole week? I've never used this chumash, actually. So I don't even know how or when I used it Friday. Oh, I know why I used it Friday. Because when I used the other one, someone put it on a different shelf and I couldn't find it. That's what it was. So I had to take this one out. So I used this one on Friday. So I figured when I was looking for the envelope, it was in the regular kumash that I usually use. And I had found that kumish ultimately, so I looked through that kumash, it wasn't there. And now I realize, yes, it wasn't the kumash that I used that day. No, it wasn't for the year, that Friday morning. Oh. You found them? So I found here it is. <laughs> That's great. <Yeah>. And, and <laughs> by the way, I got replacements today. Impossible. Yeah, it's amazing. Um... yeah that's how it works I guess 73 mitzvahs in the pasha and the last three talking about Amalek give me a thank you Amalek, the nation that attacked the Jewish Jewish nation as they left Egypt. This portion is read on the Shabbos before Purim. And we have in this little three psukim, Zacher Sashar Sadaqah Amalek, remember what Amalek did to you. When you left Egypt, the Prophet then tells us, Timcha Zechra Malik, eradicate the the memory of a Malik, and then Loy tishkach, don't forget. So within these psukim, we have three different mitzvahs. We have the mitzvahs. To remember what Amalek did. We have the mitzvah to eradicate the descendants of Amalek. And we have the mitzvah not to forget. What Amalek did went to the Jewish nation. So in essence, the two mitzvahs of not forgetting them, to remember them, and not to remember and not to forget one is a mitzvah Sasei and one is a mitzvah sai. One is a positive commandment and one is a negative. Our Malik, as we all know, was the numerical value of the Gematria of Safek. And therefore, I propose that the commandment of eradicating Amalik, of taking away the concept of Safek, is found at the culmination of a portion of the Torah with 73 mitzvahs. Whether it be Maitzai Sfasecha Tishmer, watch what comes out of your lips, which is a very, very severe Mitzvah in essence. It's tied in with Nidras HaShem, Meitzvasechatishma, like any other mitzvah, does not start with B'mitzvoy, or Bas Mitzvah Girl. It starts from the smallest of children. The youngest of children, as they wake up in the morning and they say, melech hayvekayam, vechem The holy ani. Which is so holy that we don't even need to wash our hands prior to saying it. But immediately upon awakening we say Mayda'ani. Because even the impurity of the overnight sleep cannot, impure, cannot taint the holiness of the Mayda'ani. So the Torah teaches us, tishmer The entire day, we need to reflect on what we said as we woke up in the morning. "Maida anila fanakha. I am confessing. I am confessing to you, God. Have returned to me my neshama. Return to me my holy soul. On the basis of that, we say, one must be careful and watch what they are saying a whole day long. So, too, another very, very promptu mitzvah, another mitzvah this week's Parsha, which is a common practiced mitzvah which is a popular mitzvah but yet is a very misconstrued mitzvah the mitzvah of shatnez, of shatnis not mixing wool and linen together except for of course on the tissus. what happened we find the first time of this mixture that caused such havoc the Medrash tells us when Cain and Hevel brought their sacrifices to God Cain brought bishtan, and Hevel brought sheared wool and because Hevel's was accepted and Cain's wasn't, this caused a tremendous, tremendous strife. We find a hint in the Torah that Mitzvah, Shatnas, Tzamer and Pishtim are the concepts of Chesed and Gevurah, which we may not mix Chesed and Gevurah. Although there is a conception that if eres is a blend of Chesed and Givura, a blend but not a mix. We have mitzvahs and we have mitzvahs Mitzvah mitzvahs positive commandments and negative commandments. The idea of a mitzvah, I say, of a positive commandment. We have to bring and elevate the item with which we are doing the mitzvah and to purify it and to make it holy and special. The idea of a mitzvah, I say, of a negative commandment is to push away what we're not allowed to do. And this is what Shatnas teaches us. We don't mix these two things. We are not bringing closer what we're not allowed to do, and we're not pushing away what we're allowed to do. In simple form. There are things that we do have to bring up and we have to elevate. We have to bring to ourselves. Friend, a Jew, a fellow Jew through Aves Israel, to give charity. Start the day saying, Mayda'ani. All these things are positive. On the other hand, when we start the day, we know that we're not allowed to touch anything until we wash Negavasa. And this is how it has to work throughout the day. What we're allowed to do, what we have to do, we must do, and we must need to do it to the fullest capacity. And what we're not allowed to do, we should stay away from as far as possible. As it says, and yamin mekareves, the left hand pushes away, and the right brings closer. But don't mix. Don't push and pull at the same time. Not to say something harsh to another Jew. Always to find merit in what a Jew did. And to wish wish blessings on another Jew and success for a fellow Jew. And only through this, if he does this, He brings himself closer, he brings Jews closer, and pushes away the negative elements. Yet another mitzvah in this week's Parsha. The mitzvah of Ashavos HaVeda, returning a lost item. Does it mean that I found something only that's lost? Does it mean a physical, always a physical item? Not necessarily so. If we see that a Jew is strayed from the path, and we can see to it that we have influence on them to come back and to return to their fathers, and to do what they're supposed to be doing and behave the way they're supposed to behave, or put on tefillin every day, or keep Shabbos, It's our obligation, Hashavas Haveda. We have the obligation of returning to the lost object, of taking the person who's technically straying from the path and to bring them to the proper path. There was a story. The rabbi, his name is Rabbi Besser. Rabbi Besser, unfortunately, should never happen to any Jewish person, Jewish couple, was married several years and was not blessed with children, which caused it to be very difficult. And finally, he wrote to the rabbi, and the rabbi gave him a bracha. He felt, the Rebbe said, I'll pray for you. He felt this was not sufficient. And he traveled and he came before the Rebbe for dollars. And the Rebbe gave him a dollar and told him, Zayim Besser un Noch Besser. Immediately he he walked past the Rebbe, he took the dollars, he ran out, he ran to a payphone. Not understanding Yiddish, called his brother or brother in-law, brother-in-law, and he told them the Lubavitcher Rebbe just told me, says un noch What could this mean? And he said to him, "Fool, the Rebbe is telling you that it means in Yiddish. The translation is Bessar and noch It'll be better and even better than that. But really, what the Rebbe is telling you is." There's going to be a Besser child, and then there'll be another Besser child. The Rebbe is blessing you with two boys. And lo and behold, a year later he was blessed with a boy, a short while after that with a daughter, and then a second boy years years to come. So the Besser and not Besser came through. Rabbi Besser, after that... (laughs) let us say was sold on the Lubavitcher Rebbe extremely impressed that the Lubavitcher Rebbe can do such wonderful things and almost actually became a stickle chasid a shtikl khasid. <laughs> what's a stickle khasid? partial chasid how does one become a partial chassid? I was in Queens last night. Our dear friend Ronan got married. Baruch Hashem, That's why he's not by the shir tonight. He's by a shav brachas. <laughs> sleeping on somebody else's <laughs> <at the> table. <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> sleeping there at the table. Okay. And. Um, I offered and Rabbi Sheminov is the Rabbi of the Bukharin over there in Queens told me as every other Rabbi will prominently tell the Babacha his tremendous connections with the Rabbi Rabbi Sheminov Kinahara has about 600 people in his show on an average Shabbos. Ken Yirbu. And you can hear from the people talking to him by the wedding how they adore him. Rabbi have told me that he is from Samarkand, he hails from Samarkand. And in Samarkand, the in mikveh was, shall we say, the least unimpressive. Put it mildly. Because it's unimpressive, it's not attracting the people that need to use it. And that's not what a mikvah is supposed to be doing. So he had occasion to travel here to America. And he came before the Rebbe. And he told the Rebbe, his dilemma about the mikveh. The Rebbe gave him several dollars towards the mikveh and wished him success. He returned to Samarkand and he went to the shul where the mikveh was, and he explained to them how the Bavitch Rebbe encouraged to build the mikveh over, and that he brought dollars from the Rebbe, and that which they can raise money. And faith and was given a lot of opposition. Strange. But given a lot of opposition. So he went he left the shul and he went to his mother's house and he called seven seventy. And he told the Maskir The whole dilemma. They're giving me opposition here. The communists in the shul are not letting me build the mikveh. So the mask said, hold on. The mask went obviously to ask the Rebbe. And he came back and he said to him, where are you now? So he said, I am now in my mother's house. So said, the Rebbe said, start digging exactly where you are standing. Eh? In the middle of my mother's house. So the Rebbe said, start digging exactly where you are. And he said, till today, the mikvah in Samarkand is in his mother's house. <laughs> Story's not over. That's not the idea of the story. That's a cute part. Now the real part. As the mikvah was coming to completion, as in any other Russian-related communist country, Rabbi was arrested. He was arrested. He sat for whatever, he didn't tell me how long. He's a young fellow, gotta be my age. He was actually invited to Kinnas HaShuluchim a few times. He's probably younger than him even. And he sat. he sat in jail when he came out, he wrote to the Rebbe I don't understand (laughs) I'm willing to do good things things, but I'm not ready to sit in jail for this why did I deserve to sit in jail? the answer from the Rebbe came immediately almost now I know you're working you sat in jail now I know you're working until now it was eh. But if you sat in jail for it, now I know you're working. Now you're being Mason Efesh. So this is a Shtikul chasid. He considers himself a Shtikl chasid. So Rabbi Besser became a Shtikl chasid, And from time to time would invite people to come with him to the Rebbe. For a Fabrenian Chassidic gathering, for a dollar, whatever it was. He had this one Israeli fellow. If I were to choose a nice Israeli name it would be something the effect of Elad or something, I don't know. Yaron Yaron. Well Pinch Joseph. I don't know. <laughs> um It was Yutas Kislev. Which is the Rosh Hashanah of Chisidis, and there was a big Fabrangan on a Thursday night. And my I best said, Listen, I'm not in the same area as you, I'll beat you with 770, I'll beat you at 770, and we'll go to the Fabrangan. Well, the Abishna helped, the man lays plans, and God laughs, man's trach got locked. and there was a terrible snowstorm. And Rabbi Besser did not make it for bringing; He couldn't get there. But this other fellow did. Let's leave it to the Israeli determination. When you want, the Israeli boys, you guys want, you can do, right? You can succeed. <laughs> <laughs> they say in Hebrew, and the English translation for those who are listening is where there's a will, there's a relative. That's not true no, today's isn't uh, but people want to become relatives anyway this poor fellow is sitting there himself in 770 it's quite overwhelming and quite uh, well let's call it discharming almost, if you don't know anybody you know what's happening but if you guys saw him there and they saw he was not from the norm he was not from the regular people here they walked over and they asked him what language he spoke, and he said Hebrew, and they said okay, and they ran out and they got him these transistors that had translation, and what would happen was you had simultaneous translation during the whole Febregen. As the ever spoke, there was a translator in a booth for many different languages, for English and Hebrew for sure, I don't know what others. I didn't know that time they had Russian translators, but English and Hebrew are the one for sure, and he got these as he got the ear the ear earpieces, the little transmit, transmitter, and he sat and listened to the whole and that Rebbe spoke, and this fellow translated, so he really, really enjoyed it thoroughly until <laughs> until. The Rebbe suddenly started talking about Kvar Chabad. And the Rebbe said, money needs to be raised for Kvar Chabad. And I bless you if you're going to call, if you're going to pledge. This Israeli fellow felt very, very energetic, very happy, very encouraged, inspired. He raised up his hand, the Rebbe looked at him and he said, $500. This is not last year. This is almost 35 years ago. 35 years ago, $500 was a khartikar in this garment. And the Rebbe looked at him and shook his head, No. He was shocked. $500, $500, I can manage to scratch together. He says, but it's a major donation. <sniffs> the sitting there shaking his head no, and staring at the guy. He said, the guy finally had no choice. He said, $1,000. The never started to smile and said, no. And he said, two, and he went up to $4,000. Huh? And finally, at $4,000, the Rebbe. Ice cream? Ice cream? The Rebbe reluctantly agreed. And here this guy is scratching his head. $4,000 of King's Ransom. <laughs> Where am I finding $4,000 now? Alright, I'll pay it out over four or five years, I guess. Help the there the Rebbe continues talking. And the rabbi gives a bracha to all those that pledged, and the rabbi says that not to let grass grow under your feet either before Shabbos or maximum by Sunday to go to bring your pledge in. <laughs> How is he possibly going to raise such money until Sunday? He has no idea. In his plans, he had no intention of being in New York for Shabbos he had a very early morning Friday flight to Antwerp and he was going to be in Antwerp for Shabbos he wrote a check Four thousand dollars for next week. And he left the next morning. Six months later he comes back to New York and he meets Rabbi Besser. Excuse me, he called Rabbi Besser about the pledge. Rabbi Besser wished him best of luck covering his check. But there was nothing more he could say. He said, you ever need anything? Just give me a call. Six months later, the fellow returns to New York, and he meets up with Rabbi Besser, And he tells Rabbi Besser this amazing story. I left on an early morning flight to Antwerp. I arrived there with plenty of time. And it was so early in the morning still, when I got there, I decided to go to the Diamond District and see... Like you say in America, what's going on? Okay. And I come into the diamond district. <laughs> and um, an old friend of mine comes over. And he says to him, what do you say to this? And he opens a bag of unpolished diamonds. What do you say to these diamonds? He looks at them, he checks the basic over, and he says, you know, it looks like a good buy. Great buy, congratulations. So the guy says to him, you know what, we're old friends, I value your opinion, so much so that I value your opinion, I want you to be my partner. Be my partner in buying this envelope. He says to him, listen, I'll be honest with you. I would do it. He told him the price for it and everything. I just don't have any money. He said, who asked you for money? Just tell me you're my partner. When I sell it, we'll split the profits. They shook hands. shalom. And then Shabbat Shalom. Sunday morning he traveled to Israel. On Monday he gets a phone call from Antwerp. It's his friend with the diamonds. And he says, you know something? Sidakta." Those diamonds were a great, great buy, a great purchase. He says, oh, "Listen, I don't have any money yet to pay for them." He says, "I'm not asking you for money. I want to tell you, I sold them. Give me two, I sold them. You sold them. Sold every last diamond. I made thirty-two thousand dollars profit. Excuse me, did I tell you that the been said by Febringan that all those that pledged." She bring him before Shabbos or Sunday, and they'll be blessed with double, triple, and quadruple their money. Sorry, I didn't say that part right. I forgot that. The guy says to him, "He says, I sold the diamonds, <laughs> and I made thirty-two thousand dollars profit." He said, "That's amazing." He says, "But you're my partner; half's yours." So where do I send you the $16,000? So as the Rebbe's prophecy of anyone that's going to give will get double, triple, even quadruple what they had, what they offered. He immediately saw the blessing and his check was covered in an open miracle. Huh? regretted that real fast. They didn't say 10,000 ten mm-hmm. Um no, you don't know Israelis. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I I mean I did I got I got it. I got it. I got it. I, got it. I, I, got it. I, I outdid it. I beat the system. I found it. I got the right horse I could have bet a thousand dollars, I bet a hundred dollars. I made thousand dollars, I'm happy. They baksham, they don't sit down and say, Oh, I could have made fifty. And that's why they're happier in the country. That's why there's less suicides there, except for the Arabs. But their suicides are for a different reason. Who was that? Sent the picture of the Arab lady with two garbage bags? And the uh Huh? picture of an Arab lady with two big black garbage bags. She's in the black thing and everything. And the guy saying to her, Okay, okay, all I said was your family looks gorgeous. <laughs> Not reason to get so angry and throw a bomb at me. Um, so with, we see in essence, yes, when you have a munasad sadikim, we see, in essence, when the Rebbe wants to see to it that a bracha fall down on your head, the Rebbe will chase you with that bracha. Another such mitzvah in this week's parsha that holds such relevance: V'asisa, Michael Gecho you will build a house and you should put a gate around your roof the gag the roof doesn't say put gates on your windows but a gate around your roof a fence A person's gag, the roof that he reaches, is his gaiva, his haughtiness. And this, when a person is haughty, the person has gaiva, he causes on himself tremendous, tremendous downfall spiritually. And not only himself, he causes it by others as well because he doesn't coexist with a fellow Jew and when you go out to bring a Jew closer to Taylor and and you mix into it your gaiva and your yeshus, your pride this drives people away and causes the other person not only to be driven away, but to fall out, and have a total fallout, and say, this is what Jews stand for, uh-uh. not me. Therefore, the tailor tells us to put a lid on it, put a gate around it, But if a person's going to say, "I'm worried that I have too much gaiva and I might upset somebody with that." And therefore I'll just refrain from talking, from helping, from reaching out to anybody, tells us that Tata is also the wrong thing to do. That's not the Azer. Because you have gaiva, but you have potential to help others. You're not going to use your potential because you don't know how to control your holiness. So the other person has to be deprived and suffer. Therefore, again, the Tate is telling us, put a rein around it. Put a lid on it and control it to an extent that you can go out there. When Nebuchadnezzar, the holy Tana came out of the cave after 13 years, he set the world on fire. He couldn't believe what was going on. He had zero tolerance for anything and anyone. At which point God said, back in the cave and get to work on yourself. Learn to coexist with others. Don't allow your haughtiness This is what causes people not to want to forgive another person. They can't forgive a person to such an extent that they're ready to destroy and kill the person. Why are they so hard? Why are they not able to? Because their gaiva does not allow it. But when it comes to going out and reaching out to others we can't put down the others and needless to say we can't tell the others I'm not going to reach out to you because I'm too haughty and I don't want to ruin it for you. This is what the tale is telling us make this make this gate put this fence so that you can coexist that you can go out and you can reach out to the other person this is what we know this famous story of the Mittler Rebbe, that a Chosid used to travel to the Mittler Rebbe, and he used to hear Chosidus from the Mittler Rebbe. And after he would hear his Chosidus from the Mittler Rebbe, he would travel home. And every town that he traveled through, he would stop and repeat the Chosidus that he just heard from the Rebbe. One time he came to the Rebbe, and he told the Rebbe, Rebbe, I have a mega problem. He says, what is your problem? I enjoy it too much. I become so proud of myself when I repeat your scissors. I feel it's affecting my humility, my humbleness. And the Rebbe answered him, the famous quote, I don't care if you turn into an onion, but you better chaz You do what you have to do. You are the one, your mission is to go out there and to study and to teach, to impress others with your knowledge. Get out there and do it. Don't, for one moment, think that you're too great to do it and for one moment think that maybe it's affecting you in the wrong way many years ago there was an antagonist a misnagid his name was Rabbi Feiner. and he had a lot to gripe about with the Rebbe he didn't like how the Rebbe was prom- prom- propagating Mashiach. he didn't like the Miftah Tefillin he, he didn't like the Rebbe's approach of outreach to the world although today it's called Kirov Rechokim by the Litra Shavelt, and the Rebbe was adamantly against such a word because the Rebbe said there's no such thing as Rechokim a Jew is never far. A Jew has a Jewish neshama. Therefore, all Jews are connected. But at that time, when the Rebbe introduced reaching out to others, it was a anomaly. To an extent that people were downright Resented it As did this Rabbi Feiner However Unfortunately Khmun al-Atslan His wife fell Very ill His wife fell very ill And they Traveled and they went from doctor to doctor From place to place And met with no success. Not only was there no success, but unfortunately, her health was deteriorating. When everything was exhausted, and everybody gave up hope, the wife, lying on her bed, barely able to talk, told her husband, there's nothing else left. Go to the river. Go to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The expression in Yiddish is Reis Ein Bam Rebbe," And so he traveled to the Rebbe. He traveled to 770. And he got an appointment for that night. And stood around waiting for his appointment to go into the Rebbe. And realized that the line was a line and although he had a 9 o'clock official appointment it was 2 a.m. when they told him to come into Ghanedin Ataktin, the antechamber before the Rebbe's room and that he would be the next person to go in and he saw the people behind him shaking, saying, till him, crying fixing themselves, making sure they were straight, they tie, tied to this, to that, their hat, their jacket. Everybody was totally, totally out of their element trying to physically prepare themselves to go into the Rebbe. And the, the person backed out of the room with red eyes, noticeably cried. It was his turn to enter. And as he entered, he came over and he saw a sight that he couldn't imagine: the room full of svarim, very, very well lit, and this man that he was so antagonistically against was radiant. You could see the Kiddushah, the spirituality, the holiness. And after a few moments, the Rebbe said, No, what do you want? And he burst out crying and he said, the Rebbe, the doctors have diagnosed it's the worst, there's nothing that can be done. And Rebbe, the wife is lying and she's exhausted everything. Rebbe, he said, we're Holocaust survivors, help us. Rebbe looked up and said, Holocaust survivors? You survived the Holocaust? He says, yes, Rebbe. And your wife? Yeah. You went under the oppression of the Nazis, you makhshimam? He says, yes, Rebbe. The men, the women, there was no difference what kind of Nazi, but they were, they were German Nazis, they all wanted to hurt and kill the Jews. Did you notice that? Yes, Rebbe. So, isn't it proper, says the Rebbe, that we should exchange for your wife a is a great German woman instead? And realizing he can't miss this opportunity for a second, he screamed, Yes, 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 do it! The Rebbe wished his wife long life and health, and it wasn't obviously a visible trade-off. But when he came home, his wife slowly recuperated, and miraculously, the X-rays showed nothing. Miraculously, everything dissipated. Miraculously, she became totally healthy and was blessed with longevity. So he saw the concept of the Novi Israel, and he realized that all the antagonism that he had been putting down for over these years was misdirected, was not something that he should have been doing and obviously merited to become a Shtikal Khasr of the Rabbi. And so therefore, when the parasha finishes off with the commemoration of the stru- destroying Amalek and its name, remembering what Amalek did to us, remembering the doubts that Amalek throws into our minds, telling us that don't worry, you don't have to do any mitzvahs, because you could blame it on Rio. Blame it on this and blame it on that, and turn here and turn that. Yes. Which is the exact thing as it starts the parasha, Ki alei vecha." you're going to war against your enemy. That enemy that's teaching and telling you, trying to perverse your thought, trying to distort your mind, trying to drive you away, God forbid, from doing tereh mitzvahs. And therefore we have to remember, Rashikar Zohar al-Tishkach, remember, do not forget what the Amalek of thousands of years ago has done, what the Amalek of 60 years ago has done, and what the Amalek of today's generation is doing. And this Amalek within us should be taken away so that we can forgive our fellow Jew so that we can show true love to our fellow Jew, and thereby saying, okay, I can conquer, I can overcome what this person has done to me, because I have the true Avas Yisrael, and I know that the person did not mean to hurt, and thereby, the Jews will merit to the Shebes, Achim Gam Yochad, and this very Shabbos, Yidalet El, the midpoint of the month, as we begin to embark downhill, getting closer to Rosh Hashanah, we should be married to Kisovei al-Oretz as we come into the Holy Land. Shabbat Shalom.